Welcome to the first episode of Locked on NBA Draft. I'm your host, Leif Tulin. On this show, we'll be analyzing different NBA draft prospects every episode, presenting you with various perspectives on every prospect coming from the Locked On NBA hosts and NBA draft experts. Today, you'll be hearing all you need to know about potential lottery pick and smooth shooting 6'6", 213-pound wing from Vanderbilt, Aaron Neesmith. With more on Neesmith, here's Portland Trailblazers beat writer and host of Locked On Blazers podcast, Mike Richmond. Aaron Neesmith, two seasons at Vanderbilt, established himself as one of the best shooters in college basketball. But he's going to make the next step now, entering into the NBA draft. So it's time to figure out what else he brings to the table. What we're going to do in this segment is talk strengths and weaknesses. I have read scouting reports from the best NBA draft guides I can find on the internet. I've been doing this a long time. I know who to trust. I know who mails it in. I know I can can find a copy and paste scouting report pretty well. So I've gone to the experts. I've read all the scouting reports, and I'm going to bring you what you need to know on Neesmith. Like I said, he's a shooter, and everyone agrees that he can hit jumpers in every way you slice it. Off movement, like I said, they used him in a lot of screening sets where he's allowed to read the screen and kind of get his get his feet set, get his, set up his defender and get loose. He can hit some pull-ups. He's a good catch-and-shoot shooter. He's big enough at 6'6 with a, with a long wingspan to get shots up as players close out. Maybe see if he can do that at the NBA level, but certainly in college he was able to do that. He's the best pure shooter in the draft by most accounts. People that know think this is the best shooter that'll be in the 2020 draft class. Per San Vicini of The Athletic, Jerry Stackhouse devised a ton of creative flare screen sets specifically for Neesmith. Flare screens and pin downs so he could get open on the backside of actions. Does getting a shooter open off of flare screens and pin downs sound familiar to you? Well, if you've watched the Portland Trailblazers, that's a lot of how Terry Stoss designed sets. The Blazers set a ton of flare screens, which are those screens when you move sort of sideways, east-west across the action as opposed to north-south. Pin downs would be the opposite when you're moving north-south, specifically moving screens back to the ball and you come up towards it. Pin down. It's a little X's and O's for you. But Neesmith excelling off of actions that the Blazers already run? Sounds like a good deal to me. Sign me up. There seems to be some disagreement over Neesmith's level of defensive ability. I like when the scouting reports differ. I think it's interesting to read a d- different takes and that multiple intelligent people can watch the same dude play basketball and come away with you know, slightly different um, opinions on stuff. That's a natural thing that happens when I watch basketball with my buddies or, or fellow members of the NBA media, that we have different takes. It makes sense that it would happen in scouting reports. I trust the scouting reports more when they differ. So some of them, particularly the ringers, uh, Kevin O'Connor, says that Neesmith is a competent or competitive intelligent defender. But Sam Vecini of The Athletic maybe argues that he is just an okay defender who quote won't kill you i think won't kill you kind of suggests like maybe this dude isn't a particularly good defensive player but he is not sashimi out there importantly he's got the physical profile to play multiple spots at six six he could probably play two and three with a wingspan if he filled out a little bit conceivably he could even play a little bit of small ball four now i don't think he's going to play all three spots with the blazers next year but but we're talking about projection at the next level regardless he's As I wrote down here, he's got potential for positional versatility. And oh boy, does the modern NBA love that positional versatility. 
So those are his strengths. I don't know where defense falls. I kind of put it in both categories, but he's a really good shooter who gets it done in a lot of ways, and he's got NBA size. The weaknesses, as called from the internet's best draft experts, suggest that Aaron Neesmith isn't a great finisher at the rim. He's a shooter more than a scorer, like I said in the first segment. He's not a guy who is this explosive athlete who's finishing at the rim. He's getting buckets from beyond the arc. The other weakness is that he might not have great uh, wiggle, I'll call it. His shot creation ability is what I have written down here, but just a guy who doesn't uh, break down a defender one-on-one or explode past people and use explosiveness to get into the paint or use really like, you know, bursts of athleticism to get into the paint. From what I watched, I watched a bunch of his, I watched a bunch of his uh, videos on YouTube He's a really good shooter, and he can occasionally leverage the fear of him being a really good shooter to get himself loose for other shots. But he's not getting loose, sizing a guy up and getting past him. We'll talk about defense here for a second. I mentioned it in strengths, like competitive, interested defender. But I think at this point, based on the five different scouting reports I read, is that he's probably more of a theoretical defender than an actually productive one at this point. So the jury's still out. Some evaluators think he's a good defensive player others think he's just kind of a meh at that position we'll have to wait and see the other thing that has to be mentioned in the weaknesses is is the foot injury right he only played 14 games with after that stress fracture in his foot and prior to that Vanderbilt hadn't exactly played a bunch of monsters so while he was really good early on in his sophomore season and put up numbers that uh, really jump off the page 52 percent from three on eight attempts a game is a whole whole whole, whole bunch right but he had 25 at Southeast Missouri State and 26 against Tulsa. Those are awesome games. I'm not taking away from those games. I just don't think that that is against really high-level competition. It stands to reason that his shooting percentages would have gone down just because it seems unlikely that you could sustain 50% three-point shooting on eight attempts per game. But even if he went down to, say, like, you know, in the middle 40s against SEC competition, that still profiles as a really, really good shooter. Uh, I don't think he's going to make more than half of his threes in the NBA, but he has, like I said, he has the profile to be a really good shooter, and the people that know think he's the best shooter in this draft. Clearly, there's a lot to like about Neesmith, considering shooting this league is invaluable at the moment and in the foreseeable future. It's obvious Aaron Neesmith can shoot, and how well he does in the NBA will depend on his ability to be a true 3 and D as opposed to just a shooter. One thing I believe separates Neesmith from every other good shooter in this draft is his footwork, both coming off screens and in the catch-and-shoot game. This is not just movement off-ball a la Richard Hamilton, but he distinguishes himself in a way he efficiently and meticulously tucks his feet beneath him into the same position every time, coming from various angles on the court, allowing him and his high release to be released with little hesitation and from the same release point each time. This, along with his height, allows him to have a quicker release and potentially have the ability to get more threes off than his competitors from this draft class. That's my two cents. And here's Chad Forbes, who is Neesmith ranked at 15 in his big board. Really just shot the ball like incredibly well this year. He's a wing out of Vanderbilt. Shot 52% um, from three. Sample size is a big question. Can he continue to do that? Um, He doesn't have great athleticism. He doesn't really create his own shot. And so he's really going to have to like shoot. Okay, let's not say 52% because that that would be incredible. But he's going to have to be an elite shooter in the NBA to warrant 
where he's at right now and teams are just unsure how much of that is going to translate from a sophomore season at Vanderbilt over uh, into the NBA. Coming up next, we go to Sacramento to hear more about Aaron Neesmith's game and where he stacks up in this draft from Locked On Kings host Matt George. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The people at Built Bar are awesome, and they sure produce a great protein bar. It's not like every other protein bar that has the chalky protein taste. Built Bar legitimately tastes great. Every bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and come in awesome flavors with and without nuts, like the new Cherry Barcia and caramel brownie flavors. Those are delicious. I love protein bars, and Built Bars are the best I've ever had. I personally love the mint brownie flavor, but every single flavor is so good. I have a Built Bar after playing basketball or a lift, and it's so good. It fills me up and doesn't leave me with the proteiny aftertaste of other bars. Built Bar allows any health-conscious guy to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. New flavor, Cherry Barcia, for example, has 17 grams of protein and the same amazing taste. Sign me up, and you can too. Visit Built Bar and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order and a free cooler with purchase. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. As promised, here's Matt George and Locked On Kings. Aaron Naismith. It does not surprise me at all that he has so many Kings fans absolutely infatuated. It also wouldn't surprise me if Monty McNair is a big fan of him. Why? Well, in an era where three-point shooting is king in the NBA, Aaron Naismith might be the most pure shooting prospect in this draft class. 21 years old, he's a six foot six wing, more of a shooting guard than a small forward, but has the potential to play both positions. A sophomore at Vanderbilt before declaring for the NBA draft, 23 points per game. He averaged his sophomore season, shot 51% from the field, 52% from three-point range, and 82% from the free throw line. Also averaged 4.9 rebounds and 1.4 steals. It won't surprise anybody. Naismith is a pure shooter. He, quote, displayed tremendous range uh, in college. He, of course, could hit the college three, could step back to where the NBA three is, hit that comfortably, even step back further beyond that and knock down shots. He, quote, has a uh, clean and concise shooting motion and he gets shots off quickly after setting his feet, which is great coming right into the NBA. So you can get that shot off quick and not be uh, uh, hounded by defense or have your shot blocked. Uh, He has studied apparently Steph Curry and James Harden and he's been trying to implement their shot creation skills, the step back ability, the ability to, to get away from a defender and get that quick release off, which is great for a wing and an off ball player to be working on those skills. We know he's a great catch and shooter, uh, but if he can establish his ability to create his own shot at an elite level, he's going to have a phenomenal NBA career. He, uh, on the defensive end, he relies on his wingspan and his effort to play decent defense. He's not a great defender, 
but he's not a horrible defender, at least uh, from what we understand. Uh, His offensive and defensive abilities are enhanced by his high basketball IQ. So many scouts consider uh, Naismith to be a very smart basketball player. He puts himself in the right positions on both ends of the ball, which you like to see coming right into the NBA. And look, if you're shooting 52% from three-point range, a lot of people are going to assume, okay, you're only taking one or two attempts per game and, and you're making the majority of them. But Naismith averaged 8.2 attempts per game and he made 4.3. This man takes a lot of threes and he makes a lot of threes. He also, quote, has an NBA-ready body and good upper body strength. But what about weaknesses for Naismith? Well, His shooting in college, we don't know how sustainable that is because, remember, only an abbreviated season. Would he have shot 52% for the entire season, including an NCAA tournament run? Probably not. He got off to a red-hot start, and it just so happened the season came to an end while he still had uh, the 52 in that stat column. But is that sustainable? Absolutely not. At the NBA level, what do you want that to be? Low to mid-40s, I'm absolutely happy with. Maybe that's the case. Maybe not. We're not really going to know until he actually gets into the NBA, of course. Uh, As a freshman, he only shot 33% from three-point range. So what is more him? What is the anomaly? Is the 33% an anomaly or is the 52% an anomaly? Obviously, as a pure shooter coming into the NBA, if 33% is the norm or more normal than 52% is, that's a little bit concerning. Uh, He, quote, lacks great vision and passing ability. He looks to score rather than set up his teammates, which is something he's definitely going to have to work on, especially if he was playing in the Sacramento Kings system where uh, they rely on moving the ball and there's not a a go-to guy. They try to get everybody involved. Also, his assist to turnover ratio is not great, which suggests he really needs to work on both that passing ability and his ball handling. Uh, He averaged 0.9 assists, so less than one assist per game but averaged 1.7, so nearly two turnovers a game. That needs work. Uh, His ball handling ability breaks down as he tries to attack the basket, so he's a lot stronger on the outside and more confident on the outside than he is in the paint and around uh, the rim. He does have slow foot speed defensively. Now, he's able to get over it, at least in the college level, by being smart and putting himself in the right positions, but with the speed and the strength and the athleticism and the basketball IQ at the NBA level, That's probably going to become something uh, that haunts him a little bit. Uh, And the last thing that I want to read for you in weaknesses was a a quote uh, from, I think this was NBA.com, says he's likely to get crowded at the next level and he may struggle to create off the dribble against NBA wings. Scouting reports are out there. Players are going to know, okay, whatever team Naismith lands on, he is a pure catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So how do you disrupt him as a rookie? You crowd him. You get in his space. And as of right now, it doesn't seem like he has the tools and tricks that he needs to create space and get that elite shot off. Of course, we expect that to come with time. So that's not a draft stock killer by any means. 
Overall, I do feel that Naismith is the best pure shooter in this draft, and that is enticing or will be enticing to the Sacramento Kings. If he's available at 12, I certainly wouldn't hate or frown upon the Kings for taking him. Uh, He definitely fills more of the three role than he does the D role, but if he can provide elite three-point shooting with halfway decent defense, I am definitely okay with that. There are a lot of unknowns about him that do concern me, but you can't really let that bother you too much because this is all a prediction game and a flip of the coin anyway at the NBA draft. Uh, And also, I think it's important to note and talk about, and maybe a lot of you are thinking it, Aaron Naismith would be a pretty good Buddy Heald replacement if the Sacramento Kings decide to trade away Buddy Heald in his contract. You bring in Naismith, who probably is not going to be as great of a shooter as Buddy Heald is right away or even in the first couple of years of his career, but someone who fills the Buddy Heald skill set. He can come off the bench and be more willing to accept that rotational scorer role and also wouldn't be a total disaster on the defensive end. At least we hope. Whether Neesmith replaces Buddy Heald or not in Sacramento, we know he's considered the top-tier shooter in this draft, but what else does Neesmith provide? Locked on Hawks Neesmith host Brad Rowland. Neesmith was a two-year guy at Vanderbilt. He actually got hurt this year, about midway through the season and never came back. But he'll be 21. His birthday is actually the night of the draft. October 16th, he'll turn 21. So he'll play his rookie season at 21, which is not old, but not super young for a two-year guy. Um, I know he was at Vanderbilt, which is not exactly always a basketball factory, but he was a pretty good four-star high school prospect. Not an elite guy, but made a huge jump. In year two, um, but just to get this out of the way, his shoe numbers in, at Vanderbilt in a 14-game season this year were just unbelievably ridiculous. He shot 50, 52% from three. Uh, it's a relatively small sample size. It's only 115 attempts, but still uh, 52% from three is pretty crazy on real volume, um, even if, even in a pretty small sample size of games. Uh, that is his biggest trait for people that don't, that don't know anything about him. He's about a 6'6", uh, sort of combo wing type um, definitely a shooting specialist potentially, but de- you know, I would say number one appeal is obviously his jump shot. Everyone agrees on that. I think everyone agrees that he's going to be a good shooter. It's kind of just the the the, the, the sort of the degrees of that. Like how good of a shooter is he going to be? Is he going to just be a game changer in that way, or is he more of a role player, um, you know, three and D type of guy? So that's where the sort of the consensus is on him. I will say this. You know, no one's going to shoot as well as he did this year at Vanderbilt. But I do, th- I do believe in the shooting. I think he's going to be a really high-end shooter. W- whether he'll be like an an elite guy, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I need to see more from that. But I do believe in the shooting. Um, I will say this: I like Nismith's defense more than most people do. I don't, I don't think he's going to be great, but he's pretty physical. He's pretty uh, strong. I think he's going to be just fine. I don't think he's going to be great necessarily, but I think he actually does. Just kind of fit the three and D archetype as someone who I think you definitely want for his offense first and foremost, but he's a supporting player. He is a role player. Like you said, I think, I guess maybe people have convinced themselves that he can be more than that. I don't really love him on the ball at all. I think he is more of an off movement, off screens, off curls kind of shooter, um, floor spacer type than an on ball player. And with that archetype, I think the three and D concept makes a lot of sense for him. And as a result of that, I have him like somewhere in the late lottery, maybe even mid mid first rounds. So kind of around where he's generally projected. I wouldn't consider him in the top 10, but I think somewhere when you, when you get down to like 13, 14, 15, there are lots of teams that could use him. And honestly, we'll talk about Devin Vassell in a little bit, but Neesmith is different than Vassell, but I think he is someone who pretty much would work anywhere. His defense is not like Vassell's. I I think it's definitely more of a question mark, but because I believe in his defense, it's pretty easy to plug and play Neesmith in different uh, different places. 
Welcome back to Locked on NBA Draft. I'm still your host, Leif Tulene, and we are still talking about Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt. Want a player comp or some advanced stats? Asking you shall receive. Locked on Maverick podcast hosts Nick Engstadt and Isaac Harris provide just that. I think the Athletic said he's a bigger buddy healed. And honestly, I didn't even read the, uh, not the Athletic, uh, the Ringer. And mm. I didn't even read the Ringer like the their bio of him until after I watched footage of him today and, and I was he's number 24 so it, it it does like at least bring the similarities a little bit and I was yeah. sitting there watching it saying dang it's like buddy it's like a taller buddy this is wild and then yeah. I see that on the ringer it's, it's funny dude this this dude moves so well off the ball that's the thing that like gets me it's like I know everybody's focused on Duncan Robinson and how he's doing that now, but like JJ Redick, you know, did that. Ray Allen did that. Like these really good shooters. And we see how that helped Miami with Hero and Duncan Robinson. You got to be able to move off the ball. And this dude, Jerry Stackhouse, how he drew up stuff to bring to for this guy to come off screens and get these open threes. And some of these threes were like Duncan Robinson and Redick in this way of dude was like shooting these threes like off balance and everything. Those are the threes that you're like, dang, like you can you can change an offense. Yeah, and there's a difference between Neesmith and Tyrell Terry. If we're talking about shooting, man, give me Neesmith because like Tyrell Terry, Terry can hit those shots some, but it's like the difficulty that Neesmith was hitting on some of these shots. Like that's that's the thing at his size. I mean, you talk about a synergy page in shooting numbers. This guy shot 35 percent on shots off the dribble, guarded catch and shoot shots, which we care about playing next to Luca. 47 percent. Check out this number. Unguarded catch and shoot shots, sixty five percent. Wow! <laughs> In the hundredth percentile of college basketball, that's like a Excellent. QB completion rating. Yes, his offensive numbers are insane. When you have a guy who can shoot like this and can come off screens and hit like this, I think Neesmith could be like people are looking at him like a Tyler Hero. I think they could on like a Cam Johnson. Track. Yeah, somebody like that. I think we could see a team in the top 10, top 11, pull it, you know, Aaron Neesmith, pick eight, and everybody's going to be like, whoa. And it's like, no, because this dude can shoot the freaking lights out. So I hope he's there for Dallas. I I absolutely love him. He's, he's awesome. Those shooting splits are ridiculous that any team would covet, but one in particular that has struggled from beyond the arc is the Orlando Magic, and with more on potential Magic rookie sharpshooter is Philip Rossman Reich of the Orlando Magic Daily. Aaron Neesmith of Vanderbilt. Aaron Neesmith had a shortened season. He broke his foot, uh, or he had a stress fracture in his foot um, midway through the season, so he didn't play a full season this year. But what he did this year was extraordinary. Like, really, really big stuff. Stuff that makes you think that, okay, he, he has a fit in this league somewhere. He averaged 23 points per game while shooting 52.2% from beyond the arc. That's great. That's so good. No, it gets better. He had a 65.9% effective field goal percentage and a 68.5% true shooting percentage with a 26.3% usage rate. That is high efficiency on a high usage it's really good stuff. And, and, and the best part is he's a player that I think really fits into a team structure, provided that he's healthy. The measurables, because they matter for this team, he's six foot six with a six foot ten wingspan. Check that box. Wingspan's longer, bigger than him, although certainly I, I, I'm probably not the extreme lengths that the Magic have gone to uh, in, their, in their draft so far, in their draft history with Jeff Weltman so far. Obviously, Neesmith fits 
an extreme need. The Magic need shooting. They need it desperately. And Neesmith is a great three-point shooter. But it's not just that he's a great three-point shooter. He's a great three-point shooter on the move, doing a lot of things that you are asked to do in an NBA offense. I think something that, that we are experiencing or that we're seeing, I think, play out, at least in how, how everyone's projecting mock drafts, is because the NBA draft has been moved around so much and, and, and contact with players has been so limited, I think guys like Aaron Neesmith and like Devin Vassell, I think what we're seeing is players that have very clearly defined skills are rising uh, a little bit, at least in, in, in public perception, than guys that might be a little bit of a potential play. Um, you know, I think I think someone like Neesmith, I, I think he won't be around at 15. I think he'll be gone by the 10th pick. I think he is a top 10 pick in this draft, uh, especially now that I think some some team the teams that are going to be interested hopefully will be able to get a get a, to, to sit down with him and, and check the injury and make sure that he's fully healthy. Again, you know, Mo Bamba went through a stress fracture in his leg or a fracture in his leg. It takes a full year to regain full strength. Um, you know, I, I know I make that point a lot with Mo Bamba about how how, you know, yes, he could play, but you could still see the Magic were managing him, and you could really see that Bamba's play, or at least his activity and his shooting percentages, ticked up a lot um, after after a, after that the one-year anniversary of that injury in late January. So, um, you know, I'm not, again, big men are a little bit different than guards and wings, um, so I think Neesmith will be able to play and will be able to contribute something. Um, the, the shooting thing is a real thing, um, and what I think is most important to look at with Neesmith is how he got his shots at Vanderbilt. If you go watch tape of him, you're seeing a lot of, like, the sets are definitely run for Neesmith. Neesmith isn't great on the ball. He isn't a one-on-one player. He isn't going to play make. He isn't going to create for others. That's not his game. His game is very much in the Rip Hamilton, you know, almost Terrence Ross, although his shot release isn't as quick as Terrence Ross's. He is very much about moving off of screens and, and getting shots off cuts. And he's a very, very smart cutter. And this is why... I think Neesmith is a runaway prospect. Um, you know, honestly, if you ask me if I'm a Vassell guy or a Neesmith guy, I have Neesmith rated ahead of Vassell because I think his shooting ability is significantly better than Vassell's and, and enough to make up the gap that where Vassell's a much better defender, I think I think Neesmith makes up that gap with his shooting. Um, and again, everyone weighs that stuff differently. But what's really interesting is Neesmith had this gigantic leap in his efficiency and his scoring since Jerry Stackhouse came in. And I think this context is super important when you're evaluating Neesmith. Jerry Stackhouse, you might remember, uh, was the G League coach for, the, for Raptors 905 when they won the G League championship. When the Magic hired Steve Clifford, a lot of Magic fans assumed they were going to hire Jerry Stackhouse. So essentially, Vanderbilt got an NBA coach to coach this kid. And not only did he succeed in an NBA-style system and running NBA-style cuts, you know, go watch video of him. He's running elevator screens. He's he's reading defenses and spacing himself to the corner. He's he's making NBA moves um, off off ball. He not only thrived, succeeded in an NBA system, but he thrived in it. He got better. He got significantly better. He was able to shoot significantly better uh, in an NBA system. And I think that bodes very, very well. Now, there are a lot of questions. He's, he's not a super athletic guy, um, so he's not finishing at the rim. He's, again, not really great attacking the basket. He's not going to beat you off the dribble. But what he does do off the dribble is a lot of those NBA moves that you see shooters make. He does the buddy-heeled sidestep where, you know, pump fake, sidestep, pop a three. He has all those moves already in his arsenal, and as long as he can extend out to the NBA range, which doesn't seem like it'll be a problem. He's like a 90% free throw shooter. Um, so the range should follow. Um, he 
he's got all those moves. So again, it, I cannot think, honestly, of a prospect that is more perfectly fit for what the Magic need today than Aaron Neesmith. Um, defensively, he is a good off-ball defender, but his lack of athleticism um, hurts him a little bit in individual defense. But if you're bringing him in and you're not expecting him to be a star, if you're expecting him to be a floor spacer, three and you know three and D type guy coming off the bench or as a secondary defender, that's the perfect role for him, and that's honestly the role the Magic would have for him if he came in here. A lot of people, a lot of Magic fans, and we've discussed this on the podcast too, have said the Magic should go after Buddy Heald. They should go expend assets to get Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald's a fine player. I don't, I don't dislike Buddy Heald. He do a lot of the same things. Aaron Neesmith would be significantly cheaper, and if the Magic want Buddy Heald, go get Aaron Neesmith. Seriously, go get Aaron Neesmith. That, that that option to me is just as good as Buddy Heald. The only difference is Buddy Heald's been a little more proven, but that that four years left on his deal scares me off a little bit if I'm if I'm the Magic and I'm trying to get married to him. The only question with me with Neesmith is the injury. Um, you know, whenever guys hurt, you do have to ask. But again, he's had lots of time now. Uh, the injury happened, I think it was in December, so it's been almost a year since it happened. Uh, there's no reason to think he wouldn't be absolutely ready to go. Uh, you know, certainly, certainly seems like he would be ready to play today if the Magic needed. If the, if the Magic needed to play, he'd be ready to make his rookie debut. Um, if I were the Magic, that would be a guy that I would want to make sure I get in my building uh, and 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 put him through his paces myself. He's a guy that I think the Magic should seriously be considering. And you know, I'm working on my on my Magic specific big board. I can tell you this: I'm going to have Aaron Neesmith higher on my big board than he's actually going to get drafted. That's that's the truth. This is a guy that I think the Magic should target. Um, and you know, I don't know if I'm selling out everything to get him, but if I can convince a team to let me trade up into that seven eight spot, I don't know who's pick. I know New York's eighth, and the Knicks don't really have much that I'm interested in. Um, but you know, like seventh ninth pick pick to get him, that's absolutely something that I'm going to do. Um, you know, I I think that 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 Aaron Neesmith has all the tools to be successful at the NBA level. The scoring's there, the shooting is there, the rest of the stuff he seems willing and, and able to work hard to, to to be good at good enough at it to contribute to a team. And I I think that all the puzzle pieces are there for Neesmith to be a real impact player. I know I'm looking forward to seeing how Neesmith pans out in the pros and where he goes in the draft, and I hope now you are too. That's it for today on Locked on NBA Draft. We have more draft prospects to come every weekday for the next few weeks leading up to the NBA Draft, so you know where to get your information on your favorite teams and prospects. This has been Locked on NBA Draft. I'm Leif Tulene.